Folks, are you concerned about American K-12 through education? Are you worried about what your children or grandchildren are learning or not learning in school? So if you've answered yes, my friends at Hillsdale College have a free resource for you. You've heard me talk about how Hillsdale College understands the importance of education to the future of our country. And now they're offering you 10 free print copies of their recent issue of Imprimus, entitled Education as a Battleground, written by Hillsdale College President Larry P. Arn. This special issue provides a factual account of the issues in the ongoing going battle over education and why parents and teachers, not bureaucrats or activists, should guide what our children learn. With Hillsdale College, you can make a difference in your community by distributing these copies of Imprimus to your community. Don't miss this opportunity to arm yourself with the facts. Claim your 10 free copies of Education as a Battleground by visiting Dana4FORHillsdale.com. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Act today and join the battle over education for our country's future. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. I, I think so. Look, I think that in terms of history, nobody that believes any of that garbage Tucker was spewing, none of their kids will ever believe that garbage. And in fact, I think in five or 10 years, the people that believe the garbage today that have kids will never admit to their kids that they believed it. Because I think we set history straight on the committee. Um, but today, there are people that are so invested in the emotional politics and tribe. That if Tucker gives them a narrative to hold on to that makes their side look okay, they're going to hold on to that. I cannot stand this Muppet. Golly. (sighs) He's not even like useful in the kitchen, so I don't even want to call him that. That's Adam Kinzinger. I just, can I, I don't like him. I really, he's one of the people that, you know, I guys, it's a, it's a weird industry and I try to be real cool and I, you know, try to get on it. I, you know, as much as I can be. I just really do not like him. Welcome back. Well, actually, no, back. I never leave. Welcome to the program. It's good to be with you. Top of our first hour here. And Dana Lash with you, as always. And you can listen from sea to shining sea. And you can also watch uh, online, channel 340, 349, I almost said 342, right? 349. Right, 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 right. Uh, so you can watch uh, channel 349, Direct TV. And you can also watch Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. And we got uh, discussions going on over there. Okay, so I, I mean, this—I was watching some of that yesterday, and it's kind of like it, it kind of just reiterated what I already knew. In that, you had people that walked over, and a lot of the stuff was taken entirely. Just you know, you, I mean, you had the you had the people who were acting like who were hooligans, and a few people who were being destructive, and they were arrested. And like I said, I had no problem with that. But the idea that you're portraying people who were genuinely confused when they walked in, as they were walking into the Capitol, they looked legit confused. Like, are we supposed to go in here? Is this a tour? What's going on? You could just tell that they, you know, and they came in very orderly and all of that. And and that's not spin. That's just that's the observation. I'm not taking the left seriously on a thing. They bombed the damn Hart building. They bombed the Senate building back in the 70s. And everyone was like, oh, no big deal. I mean, this is the Weather Underground, Occupy Wall Street, Black Block, BLM, Antifa left. The people who took over entire city blocks. The people that killed teenagers. The people that that busted up buildings and burned down historically black-owned businesses. And these and and the and now you're going to sit here and say that a guy with a buffalo head, he looks like a kook. Yeah, and is he a vegetarian? Yeah, 
or a vegan or whatever. Didn't he? He wanted vegan meals or something. No, that was a different. He he's a vegetarian. I don't know. Vegetarian. I'm joking. I have a. I don't. I'm not even going to apologize. If someone gets offended, God bless your soul. But I. It's nothing like what we saw with the left. The only people that were killed were unarmed people that were not part of D.C. police. And then that one guy, all of a sudden, the left loved the cops. So I, I don't know. It, it was it, the, the spin was what the left did. That's why they didn't want any of this footage released. The spin is what the left did. Now, do I think that it is correct to believe that you can change the election when people are certifying electoral votes? No, I don't, because that's not how it works. But do I believe that all these pe- that this was an insurrection? No, because that's stupid to believe it. And I have to believe that you're stupid if you believe it. I hope you're offended. I'm not here to make friends. I don't really care. I don't want the good opinion of anyone who thinks that that was an insurrection. I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want your respect. And I don't want your good opinion because it's irrelevant. I'm so tired of this stuff. I'm so tired of it. Now, the insurrection is what you saw in Atlanta, where you had the Southern Poverty Law Center who had an attorney who was arrested. Did you hear their excuse? Did you guys watch? Well, we talked about this yesterday. Southern Poverty Law Center, they had a legal observer, Kane. Do you know what the legal observer does? The legal observer observes the socialist left committing crimes and goes, hmm. That's what they do. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that? Yes, yeah, super useful. So that's what they do. And this uh, legal observer was arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center, if you are unaware, is they've taken it among uh, upon themselves to act as some sort of bouncer of any kind of political movement. And they have called pro-life, peaceful pro-life people, hate groups, they called the Tea Party a hate group back in the day. Uh, they've called everyone from Second Amendment to s- supporters hate groups. I remember when they called Ron Paul supporters hate groups. They've called everybody but themselves, interestingly enough, a hate group. And isn't it true, Kane, that wasn't there a mass casualty incident that was based, that was carried out by leftists, that was based on the Southern Poverty Law Center map? Oh, absolutely. It was their, yeah, it was their hate map. And this whole like their characterization that they had where they sit here and they it it was the family research council i mean they've actually inspired more hate there was a guy back in 2012 who walked into the lobby of the family my friend tony perkins runs it and they're a very nice group of people faith-based they don't even say anything that's controversial and the, he walked into the lobby of the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C. back in 2012. This is with, during the whole Chick-fil-A thing, remember? When people were fighting over Chick-fil-A sandwiches like the first time around. And everyone's like, oh my gosh. You know, the, it, like All the alphabet activists thought that they were going to get baptized if they ordered a Diet Coke at a Chick-fil-A or something like that. They didn't want none of that Jesus chicken. You know, they didn't. It was holy. And they, you remember the whole, they, they actually... They thought that they were going to disrupt something and it actually made Chick-fil-A uber famous. Anyway, long story short, when that was all going down, there was an alphabet activist who walked into the lobby, the D.C. lobby of the Family Research Council, their offices, and opened fire. And he had a bunch of Chick-fil-A sandwiches with him. And he was going to shove them into the gaping mouths of the corpses that he left in his wake. 
And he was inspired by the Southern Poverty Law Center hate map that came out in the investigation. That's how he found where they were. That's how he found where they were listed. It was the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is, ironically, one of the largest terrorist organizations in the United States. And they, uh, there's not enough middle fingers on the hands of patriots for them. And now here you have another one who's arrested for domestic terrorism. So this was a legal observer who was arrested for domestic terrorism. And the Southern Poverty Law Center's response, Kane, was... Well, this is just um, uh, overzealous policing. This is uh, heavy-handed policing. Oh, you mean, oh, you didn't think that law enforcement would respond that way when you're burning down a training center? You're throwing Molotov cocktails amongst other incendiary devices, and you're surprised that there was a heavy-handed response from the police because you're throwing bombs at them? You're bombing them and you're shocked that there was a heavy-handed response from police. You're, you're kidding me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you can never take them seriously. But the crazy thing is that the media does. The media has used them as their standard of measure for such a long time. And so, of course, they are eager to... Oh, this is a... Uh, everyone else is a is a hate group not us though hmm. and so now this guy's been and of course it's always these like white uh socialist trust fund progressives it's always those people every single time that do this they all get together and you know what they do they go to the last remaining mall where there is one of the final standing hot topics and they go in there and they all buy their black clothes and they, bla- they buy their black hoodies and then they go out and they pretend that they're like serious, you know, serious activists. And they're scary because they're all in black clothes. <laughs> they're all scary. They're a bunch of no leg day, pigeon toed, knock kneed fruitcakes. So they are. It's true. And they're shocked. It's heavy handed. Heavy handed. Heavy-handed response by Palace. Would you, would you think was going to happen? They believed that they were entitled to go and burn down other people's property. That's how the left always is. They always get in trouble for this stuff. They think that they, you know what, I'll be damned. They're entitled to go and burn down that business. I mean, they have no value for the hard work of others because they themselves don't do a thing. They sit around and wait for Biden to sit here and promise to pay off their overpriced grad school degrees. Hmm. Yeah, I remember, never forget what they did with that family research. Because the, and I love how they said, a man who was apparently sympathetic, he was all over the internet being quote-unquote apparently sympathetic. Shut up! But no, they're, they're the, they're, they're the ones who get to determine who is or who isn't. And CNN at the time had the headline, Southern Poverty Law Center draws conservative ire. Oh, there it is. Republicans pounce. It was the early Republicans pounce. Yes, it was the it was the ire. Yes, ire. We draw uh, trying to murder people drew conservatives ire. Trying to murder them based on their faith drew conservative ire. You absolute blockheads. So it's um hmm pretty amazing. So that. 
looking at that and then looking at what happened January 6th, there were some, the video I thought was very telling. And I, I mean, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't show anything that I didn't already kind of think already. But it does really kind of take, it does take apart a lot of the leftist narrative because they wanted to act like all the people who came over, all the people who were there were all the people who came over from the rally. And that simply wasn't true. I mean, if you're asking my opinion, if I think that there might have been some fed boys there doing some stuff, my opinion is, duh. That's my response. I don't trust. What is my saying, Kane? I mean, amongst all of them. Remember, I wanted to put it on my earrings. Trust no bee. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially if that bee's name rhymes with Schmed boy. Just saying. So we have, I got a lot because I really, really, AOC, guys, wait until I give you a list of stuff. Oh, are you ready for some listicles? I have some listicles for you. I'm so excited. So AOC, as I was telling you, she was begging, y'all, begging to go to the Met Gala. How much were those tickets? Like a ticket and ticket. How much was one? $35,000 for one ticket. How much you want to bet that you get some like rubbery convention chicken? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she was begging, even though she knew it was going to break congressional rules because you can't accept stuff when you are a member of Congress. You can't just accept stuff. That was like went way over what the rules allow. And so not only that, but you know how she was there saying tax the rich and she was acting like she was there on behalf of the common man. Well, she apparently stiffed the common man. Wait until you hear the hefty list of things that people provided for her after they absolutely badgered them for a major discount. And then she didn't pay up. Not kidding you. Oh, I got lists. So we've got that. We've got a whole bunch of stuff with, about the immigration. We have, oh, yeah, Matamoros, Kane. I sure you saw that. Lady goes down there. I mean, this, why in the world would you go down there to do a procedure like that? But or, I don't know. But there were two Americans killed, two apparently taken, were kidnapped. That right down there across the border. We're going to talk about that as well. We have a lot to get into today. It's a kind of a, a weird news day, but it's uh, we got a lot to, to cover. Breathe life into your own backyard this spring with FastGrowingTrees.com. From shade trees to fresh fruit to privacy hedge plants, let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. FastGrowingTrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrubs, and tree varieties for your unique climate. And they understand that sometimes it's hard to know which plants will do best. No problem. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs, and they're always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through every season. Their website is easy to use, and the shipping's fast. With Fast Growing Trees, 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. So join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Visit fastgrowingtrees.com slash Dana now and get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Dana. That's fastgrowingtrees.com slash Dana. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Mm-hmm. All right, so first up, this is, what is happening with people on planes? This is like the second type of headline I've seen this with. A man was arrested after allegedly trying to open the emergency door on a plane and stabbing a flight attendant. Massachusetts. It was from L.A. to Boston on, on yesterday. 
DOJ says that Francisco Torres faces a charge of interference and attempted interference with flight crew members and attendants using a dangerous weapon. He was arrested at Boston Logan. Uh, it was a United Airlines flight, and he set an alarm. They saw an alarm, and the door had been disarmed. And after inspection, they saw the locking handle had been pull- fully pushed out. And so he started tackling. He was tackled by other passengers. Look, you do this on a plane, I will stab your flipping eyes out. I will take your eyes out like an eagle pecks its prey. That's exactly what will happen. It'll be like some Kill Bill stuff. Boom. Done. Remember Daryl Hannah scene? Mm-hmm. That was that was money. Uh, also, you didn't think that was how that story was going to end. I know. Scientists are raising alarm over a potentially deadly side effect from people who are too lazy to work out. And they're using the, I don't even know how to say this, Ozempic? Ozempic and the Wigovi. Wigovi? It's apparently a celebrity favorite fat loss drug. And the researchers are saying, yeah, you could die. Like your intestines could be blocked and enlarge in. Apparently all these people are doing this to lose weight instead of waking out. Like apparently Chelsea Handler did it. Uh, everybody's been doing it. Even Elon Musk said that he tried it, but it's apparently wicked dangerous. So stop it. Go to the gym. Toblerone is taking the Matterhorn off of its packaging because they're moving something to, uh, yeah, they're moving uh, their manufacturing. I don't know. Does that matter to anybody? It's a good candy. Stay with us. Folks, your financial freedom is at stake when the government thrives on creating unrelenting inflation and astronomical debt, crippling interest rates, and market turmoil that we haven't seen in decades. And now you have an administration that wants to tax everything that you have to fund runaway entitlement spending. You should empower yourself with opportunity and the freedom to pursue success and to keep the fruits of your hard work. And if you want to protect your future, you should call a precious metals dealer that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. And all it takes to get started is a short phone call. An American Hartford Gold can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They make it easy. American Hartford Gold is the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call today and they'll give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Call American Hartford Gold today at 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. That's 866 866- 887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Lightning struck in a pond behind my house, went up underneath the conduit, caught the uh, caught fire underneath the floorboards of my house. And it was during the summer, air conditioning was on, smoke that thick all three stories. The reason I can show you that is because every piece of furniture had to be replaced because of the smoke. But guess what? My fire company was there to go in and save my wife, get her out, the cat, and my 67 Corvette. Isn't this another story that they said was false? It's false. Like, I was reading this yesterday, and it's almost like the press sighed and went, oh, my gosh, he's lying again. He just doesn't care anymore. He really, I really don't think that he cares. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our first hour. And where's the one? Oh. Can I play? This is uh, Audio Sun by 10. I wanted to also, so while he was doing that, this is what the VP was. They both had just absolute banger days yesterday uh, while they were 
giving remarks. I am going to say $1,000 has never happened. Listen. I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's, why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. <laughs> I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. <laughs> Um, that never happened. First off, they didn't even use the term conservative back in whatever era she was born in. Okay, boomer. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just, I can say that because I'm Gen X. I get to hate everybody. But she, they didn't, when did they start using that term conservative? I was thinking about this last night because that was not something. I mean, if she was sitting here talking as a child, that was like what, in the 60s maybe? That term wasn't used. That wasn't a pop, just like progressive wasn't a popularized term. People were saying liberal until Reagan made it unfashionable because he ruined it for him on purpose. But conservative was not a phrase. That was not, you know, the parlance of the time. That was not a regular term. I was actually kind of like going back and looking at some old archived think pieces and all this other stuff. And people didn't really say they weren't really getting into the phrase conservative until like the late seventies. And then it was used sparingly and then more and more with Reagan. So she was already a grown woman at that time. Unless she still says mommy. I don't know. She seems a little. No, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Oh, Kane probably says daddy too. I'm just, couldn't help it. It was it fell out. <laughs> wow! And today in puns. Okay, so quasi puns. The it just is like a, there was a weird sound bite from her yesterday. I was having a a, a, a little back and forth. I was talking to my friend uh, Kurt Schlichter, who's been on the program before, and the whole idea of a legal observer to me is so weird. And and notice how, and I mean a legal observer, it's always the left that has these things. And I was asking him, I'm like, that's such a weird like facet of leftist, I don't want to say militant activism because it's terrorism at that point. You know, it's it's terrorism. I don't want to say that it's uh, militant activism, but for the lack of a better way to describe it, but it's, it, you know, we were talking and it is, it, it's like the jag for terrorists. I mean, I don't know how else to, if you have a legal observer there and I was, what I was curious was, and I was asking my friend Kurt this because he is an attorney. I had said, well, don't they have like a legal obligation to tell these people, you know what, those Molotov cocktails might be a little illegal. Maybe don't. And they actually don't. They really, I mean, they can only advise. So they're, they're, and that's what I, you know, they, they, they're not enforcement of the law. They, they can only advise. And then it's protected by attorney client privilege, which then made me think, oh my gosh. So that, so they, they really couldn't, you know, they're there and you can't really ask them about anything that they were talking about because the attorney was there. And so they can all claim attorney client privilege, theoretically. Uh huh. That's why they do it. Just have an attorney with you all the time. Right? Could you get? Could you be your own attorney and then claim it for yourself? I'm going to ask him that. Probably. Right? Probably. See, every family needs a lawyer. Right? Every family needs one. That way you can just, oh no, it's attorney-client privilege. And just tag them on all your texts. 
Like, you know, especially on the day when you when you didn't pay that tax to the IRS for your $600 transaction on Etsy when they come banging on your door. I'm just saying, you know. But I did think it was, and if by the way, if you hear me sniffle or anything, please, heaven help us, forgive us. Cedar's happening. It's cedar season. I went outside for two seconds yesterday and I came in, I was like, ah, my eyes were all red. Two seconds. So please bear with us. It is a real thing down here in Texas that they don't tell you about. And they, they're quite on purpose. I think it's a law. They're quite on purpose until you move down here. And then they're like, by the way, you're going to gag to death every spring and fall because of the cedar, which is so thick. It actually shows up on weather radar as light precipitation. And I'm not making it up. So back to the story. The AOC situation did you guys i've been really excited to share this story with you so she went you know she went to the met gala the met gala is supposed isn't it it's a museum fundraiser that super uber mostly lefty rich people go to it's all lefty although tom brady did go to it one year with his wife now ex-wife they go there and they uh eat probably convention chicken and uh which is like less tasty than airplane chicken which is a thing now on menus and i don't get it and they spend thirty five thousand dollars per ticket and they all wear like couture right so aoc desperately wanted to go she wanted to be seen on the red carpet she wanted to be there she wanted to be in this dress she wanted to it's a whole thing she wanted to say tax the rich I love it over at New York Post because they say it should have read stiff the proletariat. And that's exactly she wanted. She she it's the number one social event of the year for these people. Now, you can like people who are in elected office can attend nonprofit events, but this isn't her district where it was held at. And they don't really invite members of Congress. So she ended up getting two free tickets after she butt-kissed Anna Wintour and her staffers, I mean, not her. And uh, she had an invitation sent to her, according to New York Post, to say her and her boyfriend were guests of Vogue. But the problem, as they note, and we all wondered at the time, is that you can't take near seven-figure gifts from companies that have lobbyists. And Vogue is a part of a firm that owns, you know, part a part of Spectrum and all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of questions there. And in fact, her own attorneys were warning them she 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 can't accept an invitation from Vogue since their advanced publications owners are registered lobbyists. You can't do that. There are laws that but she didn't care about laws. She wanted to go and be seen. The laws are for the little people. She was warned by so many attorneys, she, I mean, all, all kinds of people. There were all sorts of emails back and forth between the Office of Congressional Ethics and her office, you know, saying that, you know, they're, they're, they were saying that there was an, an attempt to minimize Vogue's role in her invitation. It, it was one thing if the Met invited her, but because it was an organization that had a registered lobbyist that invited her, that's a violation of their ethics. They can't do it. Now, she'll probably get fined. I hope she is. But that's only one part of it. So here's where it gets even more cringe as as if it was embarrassing enough that she was begging on her hands and knees for an invitation to this thing and then ignored all counsel saying that it was legally compromising. She stiffed everybody that helped her get ready to go. She found a, a dress from a Brooklyn designer that 
and she got the fittings, the materials, the day of styling, the consultation. And I agree with what the New York Post says. I mean, that was probably at least $10,000 in terms of value. But they actually uh, badgered them down to only cost $1,300 and label it as a rental. But she didn't actually pay it. Um, In fact, in the weeks that followed, her campaign staff badgered the struggling designer to lower the price to $300 because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does not care about the labor of the designer, a small business person, that the, the amount of work that they put in to create the dress, tailor it specifically for her because it had to be fitted to her, do everything. No, no, no. They don't care about all the hours and weeks of time that this person and their staff put into it. They were only going to pay $300. And New York Post has all the emails to prove it. Somebody was upset because AOC did not pay them. She could not explain to the Office of Ethics why the gown rental costs were reduced. The designer is going to be subpoenaed now. Because you can't take something that's worth $10,000 and say, oh, no, they, only, they gave it to me only for this much. If that's the worth of it, that's the worth of it. That's the value. So she purchased designer shoes, $635 designer shoes. And uh, she changed that on, her, on her, uh, their paperwork to say that, oh, it was just a rental. Hmm. Now, listen to how beggy and cringe and absolutely, can I just say it broke ass this is. Her staff emailed the, des- the dress designer or they texted them saying, quote, just confirming that you're thinking of providing her boyfriend with a tie slash cummerbund. She couldn't even spell cummerbund, cummerbund correctly. She goes, there's no restriction on Riley, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Cringe. Champagne taste on a natty light budget. Mm. They want free stuff that they don't have to report. She didn't pay the makeup artist for six months. Do you know that the makeup artist who did Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's makeup sent her to a collection agency because she wasn't paying? Sent her to a collection agency because... She did not pay. Oh, and that's not, uh, that's not it. The hair, $477. The hairstylist rep emailed her staff threatening to file a complaint with the New York Department of Labor because she wasn't paying. Transportation from the Bronx to the Carlisle Hotel, almost $600. And it wasn't until eight months after that she reimbursed Condé Nast publication for her $180 share. I don't know why they had to split it because she had taken three people to the event. The designer, or the, the hotel rather, she paid over $4,000, $4,600 to stay at this hotel. She didn't, they didn't pay that. They had to reimburse the designer all, over a year later. The boyfriend's shoes and bow tie over a year later. The car service, same thing. I mean, it was wild. She was not paying nobody. The only person that actually got paid, according to New York Post, and they have all the emails and texts, by the way, it's really bad, was her manicurist because the manicurist demanded cash. Now, this broad 
acts like she's of the people. Remember when she bought her most expensive version of the Tesla? Parked it illegally outside of Whole Foods. She wanted to go to this $35,000 a plate. She acts like she's taxed the rich. She can't even pay the poor or pay the middle class, pay the people who help her. She's just like every other limousine liberal, except a lot of those people are trust fund socialists. She doesn't have the trust fund, but she wants it. She's disgusting. I can't stand her. Golly, how cringe. You know what? Don't do it if your broke ass can't pay for it, girl. We have a lot more on the way. Needs to be said. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm humbled to have a word like trailblazer used when I'm sitting next to you and knowing all the cracks you put in that glass ceiling. With other women's heads. That's personal time Pete. He was sitting next to Hillary Clinton, probably like, don't suicide me. Don't suicide me. I was going to say something else instead of trailblazer, that he was mistaking it for something else. But I'm, I've decided that I am full enough today of, I'm so in my oats today. So I am. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. Yeah, he, he, he's probably scared of her. She sits over there, like with the posture of a cocktail shrimp, and her hands all wound up like a T-Rex, like probably looking at him, you know. I mean, they, there wasn't someone else who was associated with them. They just, weren't they just suicided? Remember the guy who was found on the farm and he killed himself with a shotgun blast in the head? Which, I don't know how that happens. And he was tied to a tree, magically? I don't know. His chest. Yeah, his chest. I mean, that's, you know. How does that work? it's it's clinton (laughs) that's all he was probably terrified you're such trailblazer she's not a trailblazer she is an afterthought she is an attempt that was mediocre there's nothing trailblazer about hillary clinton didn't she get in trouble in college for being shady she got kicked off of something in college because she was shady and then she just rode Bill, Bill's coattails everywhere. She was always mad because her ambition was greater than her skill and her patience. And she just, she, just, she just got ahead of her skis. She's a brutally ambitious woman and was never likable. She's not a trailblazer. Unless you want to you know, talk about the trails she blazed when she had to stand there on national television as her husband had, you know, had to admit diddling a lady in the White House Oval Office. You know, If you want to talk about that being a trailblazer, yeah, that was the first time that happened. 
in this country where someone was sitting there and they had their husband with his non-accusatory knuckle point pronouncing sexual, like sexual, S-E-C-K-S-H-U-L. I did not have sexual relations, S-H-U-N-S, with that woman. And then they called Monica Lewinsky that woman forever, like literally that woman. So yeah, there was a trail that was blazed there, you know. And when she said that they're just bimbos, and then all the feminists were like, mm-hmm. But if you say that now, that all the same people, they're all old and crinkly now. They are like, no, it's so, can't say that. Only we came back in the 90s because it was advantageous for us. So I'm just saying, if you want to talk about somebody being a trailblazer, I guess that would be an example of being a trailblazer. I just, um, I don't think that she played the game well. She did not play, it's like Game of Thrones. She did not play it well. She was too brutally ambitious and it never, it was just all, and then, I mean, all these people getting Vince Fostered around them. I mean, it's weird, right? It's weird. We have a lot more on the way. Second hour of the show. I wonder if AOC's paid all her bills yet. I wonder how many collection agencies she's been turned over to. But, you know, tax the rich and all. Meh. Stay with us. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's Patriot mobile.com slash Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. That's correct. I, it's true, like cities across the country, if, uh, we're experiencing a crime surge that needs to be urgently addressed. But we have decades of data showing that long sentences do not deter crime. What actually deters crime is the likelihood that someone will be caught and prosecuted, not the lengthy sentence. D.C. already has a higher incarceration rate than any state in America. And so if long sentences prevented crime, we would already be the safest city in the nation. And if we want to talk about the roots of crime, then we need Congress to do something about ending poverty. Wow. That's D.C. Councilwoman Janice Lewis-George. If there are no names left, it's because she has all of them. Welcome back to the program. Top of our second hour. She's defending this relaxation of penalties for carjackers that they have been pushing for quite some time. You know what? Why, just, why, just, why, not, why even have any cars? Let's just, why even have any cars? Let's just get rid of the cars, Kane, and then people won't want to carjack them and steal them. Amazing, right? Chimney Christmas. Yeah, they, um, I, <laughs> I feel bad for people who live in that area or have to live in that area or need to live in that area. What she doesn't address in this, too, is that another big problem that DC has is the out of control recidivism because people don't actually serve full sentences. It's one of the cities that has some of the highest recidivism and, and, and excuse me, and 
uh, uh, really lowest amount of time served, people get wrist slaps and then they're, they're you know, back out on the street to reoffend. This is the, this is what, I mean, to reduce the carjackings, you have to have a penalty. People have to have, there has to be a deterrent. Just charging someone isn't enough of a deterrent. And reducing sentencing is not a deterrent. No. As Kane will say it, Kane. Yeah, what, what is the... I mean, what good is a prosecution? Like, she noted in that audio piece that, well, what really matters is them getting arrested and then prosecuted. Well, oh, for the what love. good is a prosecution if there's no time given or very little time given? What exactly is the deterrent? And, and, and her argument is dumb and somewhat cyclical because she's saying that, well, we have, you know, I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's enough. She's saying that that in itself is enough. But then at the same time, she's also simultaneously arguing that they're doing it too much. So which is it? They're arresting and charging people, and that's enough of a deterrent. But then she's also claiming that they arrest and charge too many people. So which is it? She's not the sharpest tool in the shed, is she? She's uh, kind of sounds like Cori Bush from the other school. Okay, we got it. I can't even believe so let me just okay let me just tell it like this it's a washington free beacon piece and it is stunning it really is so Corey bush you know in saint our hometown of saint louis she um has as her highest paid private security guard a guy who believes he's 109 trillion years old a master of psychic self-defense who can summon tornadoes at will. And he also, he gets six figures. He's been getting six figures since 2020 for providing quote-unquote security services. He teaches classes on how to maintain urban gardens so people don't have to buy food from the Jews because he's a a huge anti-Semite. Apparently he believes in like the mystical arts. And I don't mean, I mean like he thinks that he can like, like, summon the weather with his hands and and stuff uh I, I i don't know well like this like this is you know part of this is one of the things he believes yeah yeah care less you're a christian i'm gonna take you to the book of psalms i'll show you how to knock a person make all their teeth fall off their mouth and the book of psalms yeah that's what Book of Psalms did. Hit a person and knock all their teeth out. Oh, I didn't realize. He is, uh, his name is Nathaniel Davis III. Did, so did you figure out, Kane, do you know this dude? You don't know this dude. No, I tried, I was scouring the uh, information in the article, and I couldn't find a simple one degree of separation from this guy. Mm. I wish I could. I mean, most people in St. Louis, because that's where I grew up, you can usually find pretty much just one degree of separation mm-hmm. from anybody in the city. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I do not have anybody that has direct contact with this guy. He believes that uh, he can cause earthquakes with his hate alone. Wow. He conducts blood rituals that he says will bring, bring ruin upon his enemies. He is an intergalactic master of psychic self-defense. Oh, man. Where's the Beastie Boys when you need them? <laughs> intergalactic planetary. <laughs> he uh, is... Her high, he's Corey Bush's highest paid private security guard. He earned $137,000. Yeah, he gets, that's according to FEC filings. 
And, uh, wow. Yeah, he teaches classes on how to read minds. Read my mind. Did you, did you let them know that he feels he's 109 trillion years old? Yeah, I said, yeah. He, oh, did you say that? Yeah, he's 109 trillion years old. He says that, he literally said, now, I have more video, but every now and then he drops an F-bomb, and yeah. we haven't. Steve can't deal with the show in DC and then uh, yeah so you do that to say so we're like yeah but you heard that one bit he uh, says he's 109 trillion years old in this galaxy the Milky Way galaxy which then suggests that he might be a different age in other galaxies we just don't know uh, he um, is he says quote I'm teaching people how to survive it's what I came to the planet for in this lifetime and then he also says things like, uh, quote, I bet you don't know which Rothschild brother runs the Western Hemisphere. He has every president elected in every country in the West. Oh, boy. Ooh, boy. And then he has. I don't even. OK, Kane, I don't even know what this what in D movie hell is this? Look, at, it's it's almost like a bad Mortal Kombat scene. He says, agricultural philosophical, philosophical, no, I'm trying to be like, what is the Marshall Science Temple, Mar- Marshall Science, uh, Priesthood of the Sun, I don't even know what this is. So not martial arts, it's martial science. That's interesting. He also says that he has a number of supernatural abilities, including the ability to summon hurricanes, levitate, and very helpfully retrieving winning lottery numbers from the spirit realm. So he's who we blame for the next hurricane? He says, my anger brings tornadoes, hurricanes, and water spouts. Uh, my energy set in motion, known, oh, for the love, known as emotions. Ooh! And then he talks about chakras, which I don't like that after Al Gore. Yeah. I don't even know, man. He, uh, like, when he provides security to her, does he do it, like, psychically? I'm just wondering. He, oh, by the way, the last time he was seen, and you've, was, uh, he was by, uh, he was there at her, the, with, uh, Corey Bush, uh, at the McCluskey's house in St. Louis. Remember that? Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he was there. Uh, he loves wearing his beige t shirt. It's his favorite shirt, apparently. And, yeah, that's, he says he's not he's choosing not to make use of his most destructive powers. But he also says that he can if you speak his name and he doesn't want you speaking his name. He says that he'll cause your teeth to fall out. Is he going to make our teeth fall out? Kane? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just sharing with you what is reported. Speak, is that his name, the Milky Milky Way Galaxy name? Because if we didn't say that name, I don't think it makes our teeth fall out. But apparently, Cori Bush took steps to conceal his identity oh, in yes, her campaign spending reports. So it made it difficult for... They uh, had to run it down. Yeah, to be able to identify which Nathaniel Davis was on her staff. Oh, you just said paid. his name. Your teeth will oh, fall no. out. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are you his enemy? Because your teeth will fall out. Oh, no. I just find this fascinating. So is it like the Matrix? Like if... Like when he if if he has her private security, I'm just wondering how that works. Um, All right, there you go. 
So, I have no other words on that. I'm not a good day for the squad, though. I'm just glad because he claims he's chosen not to make use of his most destructive powers. So, oh, I'm he's just, chosen. Yeah, so what I'm a good thinking, person I'm, to not make his enemy's teeth fall out. Thankful during the that. blood rituals. Right. I mean, it's very, you know, super helpful and kind. Yeah. Right. You know, just. I mean, how do you? If you're hiring someone, because that's a lot of money, you know, that's six figures. Do you ask for proof of stuff before? I mean, I'm assuming that he was hired because he's got a particular set of skills, right? Intergalactic. <laughs> Intergalactic that's right. Uh, Jason Awalt. <laughs> Step inside the party, disrupt the whole scene. That's that's. <laughs> that play every time he comes in the room i'm just wondering though for real though for real seriously let's be serious about this so do i mean if you were wanting an intergalactic psychic martial sciencer who can make enemies teeth fall out and participates in blood rituals and being that he's 109 trillion years old so there's some seniority there i mean do you how do you interview that person for this position do you say make them make their teeth fall out i want to see it i mean how do you do that do you, how does that work? Do they show you their psychic powers like the Matrix? Do they get to stop stuff? Does he fly? He levitates. He says he levitates. I don't know. Does he, he fly well, through the he street? He says he has the power to heal and the power to resurrect from the dead. He also said, oh boy, he wor- he uh, works with a bunch of anti-Israel. And I don't mean like they're critical of the Israeli government. I mean, they just don't like Jewish people. <laughs> There's a big difference. Um. He's worked with some of these activists who want to burn Jewish people alive. Oh, Oh, boy. He's a big-time supporter of the boycott, uh, the divestment, sanctions, whatever. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm just, you know. Burning Jews alive. That sounds I'm just wondering how this person gets hired. Historically familiar. You know, like, how does this person... I... I mean, I think she's... I think Roy Bush is a grifter. I mean, absolutely... But how in the world do you hire somebody like this? I got questions. You know, anyway, but don't say his name. He's going to make your teeth fall out. Uh-oh. Don't be doing, shh, shh. Just call him Mr. Intergalactic. That's all I got to do. I'm just saying, because that way you're not speaking his name, so your teeth won't fall out. Yeah, I'm just saying. All right, so we, uh, I got a lot more in store here, including uh, apparently the Department of Transportation will not let us know how much we are paying to fly personal time Pete around the world or around the country or anywhere. So we're going to have a little discussion about that. China is warning the United States. They're saying that the relationship is off the rails. I've talked a lot about the Caltech KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go-to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Caltech KSG? Well, like everything that Caltech invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun. And the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for 3-inch shells. And with its dual-tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus 1. So that's 6 rounds in each tube, plus 1 chambered. If you prefer 2 and 3 quarter inch shells, even better, because the KSG holds 7 plus 7 plus 1. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at keltecweapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C weapons.com. Again, to find out more, 
Visit KeltechWeapons.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Well, this is uh, not good, ranchers. Suspected cannibal caught at an airport with suspicious meat. Yeah, and it was a Brazilian murder suspect who was arrested at an airport in Portugal with a suitcase that contained what they said was suspicious meat and blood-stained clothing. He's suspected of killing a dude uh, or a, a day earlier. Uh, they was shoved, the meat was in a plastic bag in his luggage. There was no way, there's no cooling, there was no nothing. That, that is... Oh, man, why are people gross? Anyway, he's totally arrested. Oh, that is so nasty. Just made myself sick. I legit made myself sick. Uh, This, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's some air quotes here. UK intelligence says Russian, well, not this one. There there was one where they're saying now, Intel is saying that maybe it was a pro-Ukrainian force that took out the pipeline. I don't know. Now UK intelligence also says that Russian troops were sent into combat with small shovels as weapons. This is interesting. Uh, part-time Russian soldiers sent into the battlefield, forced to fight only with, like, even shovels, apparently. Because now I have, if you notice, like, when we play that Wagner, we talked about the Wagner group, and that guy was criticizing uh, the defense minister. They were all complaining about shortages of ammunition. So apparently this British intelligence assessment is confirming that. So they said that, you know, they're using, like, little shovels even. Oh, man. Uh, also, that's what happens when you uh, FAFO. The um, let me pull this up. Supreme Court is apparently going to consider whether or not employers who make Christians work on Sunday violate religious liberty. It's they're scheduled to hear arguments in Groff versus DeJoy, a case concerning Gerald Groff, who is a Christian and a former and former U.S. Postal Service worker who was denied accommodation to observe his Sunday Sabbath by not taking Sunday shifts. Federal lawyer, federal law prohibits employers from firing employees who want religious accommodation unless they can show that the worker's religious practice cannot be reasonably accommodated. So they said he's alleging, Groff is alleging in federal court that USPS failed to provide him with reasonable accommodation. I don't think that, I agree. I don't think that you should be working on Sunday. I think that's, I mean, I, I that's what I practice. Uh, I don't think that you should be working on Sunday. Uh, also, let's see here. Yeah, here's the intelligence suggest pro-Ukrainian group sabotage pipelines, U.S. officials say. It's all sources say, so. Uh, and uh, also, I had one other one. A cruise ship says they'll take you around the world. It's $30,000 a year. You live on it. That sounds horrible. Why are you making that expression? We're going to talk about this coming up and a lot more. Stay with us. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. Most of you here get this, and you're probably not the ones doing it. But it's like you know, every person in the legislature can file bills, right? I see these people filing bills, and then there's articles with my face on the article saying that, oh, they're going to have to red bloggers are going to have to register for the state, and it's like attributing it to me. And I'm like, okay, that's not anything that that, that I've ever supported. I don't support. Uh, I've been very clear about what we're doing, and so people have a right to file legislation. They have a right to to do different types of amendments and all that other stuff. Um, but the Florida, leg- a whole 120 of them in the House and however many in the 40 in the Senate, you know, they have independent agency to be able to do things. Like, I don't control every single bill that has been filed or amendments. So-, so this was, welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here with you. Always good to be with you. 
Tuesday, bottom of our second hour. That's uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So this was on that so-called blogger bill. We, I made fun of this yesterday or last week. I can't remember. Was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. The uh, piece of legislation that was proposed by some Republican lawmaker in the state of Florida, and they wanted to enact fines or not, uh, and make you register if you were going to write about any statewide elected official, which I thought was a stupid bill because it is a stupid bill. But there were the it was the legacy press, MSNBC and these lefty pretend Republican operatives that were pushing this line like this is the but this is the Santos's bill. No fascism. They were running around with this saying that this was the Santos has a blogger bill. And. He, I mean, like it was ever going to pass anyway. There's no way in hell he'd ever sign this thing. Good grief. So there went their whole, my fascism, cries. MSNBC did like a whole segment on it. And I watched as like pretend Republican operatives that are actually leftists. But they were, they're, but they pretend to be Republican operatives. They were sharing this like, look, I'm like, when do conservatives share MSNBC like as gotchas on on conservative candidates. When has that been a thing? Never. That should be a major red flag. But it was interesting. Someone said that it was struck down. It wasn't struck down because that assumes that it was law and that's it was never struck. It was never law. But all the people who went around acting like, oh, well, DeSantis wrote this bill. He's a fascist. He's a tyrant. Not a single damn one of those people are going to retract that. No. I remember. I remember. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> Just <laughs> anyway. Oh, okay. So, can we? We got to talk about this situation in Mexico, Matamoros. And can you have family in Matamoros? I do. I didn't realize it was yeah. like that. Family farm. Dang. About seven acres. So there were Six, four. There were four people who went down to Matamoros. And one lady, it was a lady and some dudes, and she went for, to save money on a tummy tuck procedure. You're going to go to Mexico for a tummy tuck procedure? Yeah. And uh, two of them got killed by, because a cartel ran into their car, took her and another person, put them in the bed of the truck, and apparently, I guess, killed the other two. I mean, Montemoros is, like, right across the border. They just have cartel running around all wild like that there? I mean, does your family have to, like, you know, be worried? I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I haven't heard anything negative like that out of Matamoros in a while. And I, I got to be honest, I think that, you know, the way things have been running in Mexico for the past couple of years and the, the brazenness mm. that they have as it relates to the border and with smuggling both mm-hmm. drugs and people, I'm not surprised to hear this. I mean, this was in broad daylight. I couldn't watch like the whole video just because I didn't want to see nobody get killed on camera. But it is it was this was wild. And apparently two one of the two was uh, alive as it was found injured. But two of them were found alive and the two survivors are now apparently according to ABC back in the United States. The ones who were killed were being held in a morgue in Matamoros. They said that the cartels they were traveling. Th- these four people were traveling in a white minivan. The cartel herded them into another vehicle and fled. Apparently, they thought, or from what law enforcement was saying, that they 
thought that they were maybe like a rival entity or a rival faction and that's you know what ultimately what it was and i just can't i mean it is just just shocking to me right in broad daylight i mean it's not shocking to me but at the same time it is because i mean you're right there by the board right literally by the border in fact right where the car was rammed into is right underneath the sign that's telling you that the this is the exit only to go to the border right here it's right there that's how close that's crazy and so one person was arrested and that's pretty that's the latest with it that's just it's just wild and so right across the border that why would they there were there were certain states within mexico where they were saying the state department had issued travel warnings and of course that area is one of them they said that area is one of them there's different parts of mexico where they say because of the cartel infighting and violence uh if you go to Mexico, they say stay in your hotel. And you know what? That I hate that because I hate the fact that you got to worry about stuff like that. I know we don't live in a kitten and sunshine world. And when I travel to places, I don't want to just stay in one. You know what I mean? I don't want to just stay in the resort. And I want to stay in a hotel. I want to go and I you're, there's a reason why you go to other places. You go to other places because you want to see stuff and, and you want to have authentic food. You don't want to have hotel food. You want to have like authentic food. You want to have like authentic spices and authentic preparation. And that's the whole reason where you're going. And you meet some cool people. And I, that's, that's the thing that I just, it, it just makes the whole idea of traveling and really seeing the world just suck out loud because you got to, especially because Mexico, this is beautiful. It's a beautiful country. It's absolutely beautiful. But the cartels and the corrupt government, it's awful. It just make it's just, ugh. I, I wish it wasn't like that, but that's what happens when you have just generations of corruption and then cartels being able to do, and, and not just being allowed to do whatever they want to do, but not even being checked really by the government. They're out of control with the government. I kind of think that they're actually the government and the government, government in Mexico is like the shadow secondary government, really. Because the cartels are sophisticated. They're, this isn't some like ragtag stuff really anymore. I mean, you know, they're, they're relatively they're pretty sophisticated. Like everyone talks about the fentanyl and everything else that comes in from across the border. In the very beginning, all the inputs for this used to really come from China. And that's where they sourced it. And they realized they could make even more money if they just if they'd handled that aspect from start to finish themselves. So they're really self-sufficient and people don't realize it. And it is a it's a major thing. This is one of the reasons why. And I've been hearing this from a lot of lawmakers. And I'm 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 not against it. I'm trying to understand it better. Yeah, there's a bill. Let me put this up because I think it was Graham's bill. Uh, he's proposed. Let me pull this. This is, this is uh, from a couple of places, including New York Post. So he's proposed, uh, he wants to send military. And I've heard this from a number of other lawmakers too. They also, they want to send members, they want to send the military uh, to uh, Mexico to, tr to use military force against the cartels. And that, the proliferation of drugs, you know, etc. They say that, you know, the administration, which is true, the Biden administration doesn't do anything about it. They, I think at this point, the cartels should be considered terrorist groups. I do agree with that. Absolutely. That's, that to me is unarguable. 
And in some instances, I, I, I would wager that they are probably even more organized and uh, have even as much if, you know, with some of the, I mean, they're, they're as organized and as sophisticated as some of the more sophisticated terrorist groups out there, really. Uh, but how do you handle it? That's the thing. So I'm watching this series. It's called Echo 3. So I watched, um, and we got, and Juan's been watching Terminal List. And we told him he's got to watch uh, Jack Ryan. Then he's got to watch Reacher. Oh, it's so amazing. Reacher's, the new one is amazing. The Jack Ryan is amazing, too. That's, that's a fabulous, absolutely fabulous series. So I started watching Echo, Echo 3. It's interesting. Um, but it deals specifically with the cartels, not just in Mexico, but in Colombia and Venezuela. And the relationship... It's very much, you know, fictional reality, that makes sense. But it gets into the organization and the operations and how it all, how it all works and how it's, it's a very, without giving anything away, it's a very interesting series. And the setting is, is amazing because they're in South America. And it just, you have, if, I, I think the question then becomes, with this issue at the border and whether or not you use military action, it becomes the question of, is this a situation where every other, every other tool at our disposal is ineffective? I mean, taxing things that come across. I mean, is there, I mean, what, because I know that there's, there've been some propositions in terms of like, what is it? Remittance fees and all kinds of stuff as it relates to illegal entries, et cetera. But is that, does that go far enough? And the thing is, is that we really, we should be able, this should be a national discussion. But you can't because there's one party in the country that doesn't view this as a problem, at least publicly. Although the New York Times has a piece out where they're saying that, uh, you know, Biden may be reconsidering aspects of the, his immigration policy and maybe changing some of that i don't know there it, it, it's all like well they might it's it's all looking at title 42 because they're ending title 42 and that's what allowed everybody at the border to very expeditiously send illegal entrants back and so if he does reverse that Remember, he said that the reason, and New York Times cited this too, that they wanted to remove that because they said it was inhumane. Well, I don't know how you can look at what's happening at the border right now and what we talked about specifically, I think it was Thursday, Friday, with the child labor, the illegal entrance, how you've had a quarter of a million children in the past two years that have crossed the southern border. 86,000 our government has not had contact with regularly and a third of those they've lost contact with entirely and they're finding kids as young as 9, 10, 11, 12 popping up in slaughterhouses and uh, in, in, in uh, all kinds like for instance there was one uh, manufacturer that they found 12 year olds sewing made in America tags and J. Crew shirts. All kinds of stuff there's been fatalities especially when there's heavy equipment involved and there's no check and balance. 
because the companies say, oh, well, you know, it's not our fault because an adult shows up to do the interview and then a kid reports to work. Well, there's still some culpability there. Come on. But my point is that it has gotten so incredibly bad. And that's going to, and it, that's, by the way, that number, and those are just the kids. I'm not talking about Godaways. I'm not talking about the adult men. I'm talking about just the kids. Um, that are entering illegally and being shipped over and then they have to send money back the new york times every now and then they will do a very good and they have some good people there uh, they're the minority but they have a few really really good investigative reporters there and the people who did this piece that ran last week uh it was stellar i mean there were no sources say it was all sourced and they were saying that, uh, you know, the government, Xavier Becerra, was really hitting these third-party contractors at the border to process people doubly fast. They didn't care if the – and, I mean, I'm not kidding. We're talking like 9- and 10-year-olds. They didn't care if they were – if they went to relatives or strangers. They didn't care. Becerra was like, get it done, get it done. That's when we played that audio where he was like, oh, if Henry Ford saw this, you know, uh, uh, he would, you know, he, he, he would be so disappointed. It's just, it just crazy. And so now I think there, there, people are starting to ask some questions because it has gotten so horrible, especially with the gotaways. And now you have, like, for instance, that guy down in Arizona whose ranch is right there on the border, and they've had all kinds of cartel activity. He's heard gunfire before. He's elderly. His wife's elderly. And he goes out. People are on his property. And he fires in self-defense and then he's put in jail because you can't defend yourself. The government's not going to protect you and you can't protect yourself either. You have to sacrifice your life at the altar of pretending to give a damn. That's what it is. So this, this government, our, this administration has made it an absolute mess, an impossible mess. And so now, apparently, they're considering reviving Title 42. Now, how is that going to play out with a Democrat base? Hmm? We have a lot more to get into. You don't want to miss. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Well, we have a couple of ones here. We got one from the villages. And then we, oh, I can't even. Let's do this one first. Oh, man. A uh, villager, sounds like Minecraft, was arrested in a booze-filled brawl on the Lanai. Her name is Jean Dorothy Polterak, 65 years old, uh, village of Poinciana. She was arrested early Monday after a booze-filled brawl on the Lanai. Uh, she is felony charge of domestic battery by strangulation. Sumner County Sheriff's deputies charge her. 86-year-old man living in the home was awoken. They got an alter. They uh, discovered her involved in an altercation with another woman on the Lanai. Both women were drunk. Uh, the other woman said Polderak had put her hands around her neck during the argument. She wasn't able to breathe. Uh, they knocked a table over, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so she was now booked in Sumter County Detention Center where she's held without bond. Good heavens. Um... Let's see. Okay. A Florida woman tried to beat a court-ordered urina- urinalysis by mixing soda and tap water. Okay. It was not successful. Ah, no. No. Uh-oh. Smoking Gun says that she was arrested, Shannon Hunter, 44, and uh, she thought she could beat this with her homemade concoction, and she couldn't. So she was, uh, she's on probation. 
for painkillers, selling painkillers, all kinds of stuff. Oh, boy. And I, I'm not even going to tell you how she did it either, how she did the test. Yeah, that'll, yeah. Stay with us. Third hour next. And I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a, a uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times, <laughs> see if I had a brain. See, okay, I this is weird. I welcome first off, welcome back to the program, top of the of the third hour. Dana Lashia with you. I I we had this like towards the end of the day yesterday, and I was I'm trying to be very generous and not being so super literal, but at the same time, is he admitting something here? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. It sounds like he's admitting that he, like, they had something. It's just bad. It's, I don't know. Between him and Fetterman, good grief. And to an extent, Kamala, honestly. So as I said, welcome back to the program. This, the top of our third hour this Tuesday. And I'm going over uh, my list because there were quite, there was quite a few things here to touch on uh we were discussing the aoc stuff we were we were uh, we discussing a lot of what was happening at the border and as well as some of these other fun sound bites this listen to this story and i have this in your prep email that i had sent out um and i'm gonna and then we're gonna get to a few other things i had this in the prep email that that we had sent out uh yesterday or, or this morning, sorry, your prep email for the people who subscribe to chapter and verse. I can't even imagine this. This headline is mind-numbingly insane. Baby dies at Florida Airbnb from fentanyl exposure. Family suspects previous renters through a drug-fueled party. 19-month-old. So the family is now in a lawsuit. They said that they put the baby down for the nap after she played in the house for a little bit. When they went to wake her up, she was gone. And they had no idea until the autopsy was done that this was because of fentanyl poisoning. They said that's what the family wants to get out. You don't know who was there before you. You don't know what they were doing before you. They were vacationing in Wellington near West Palm Beach. And they said the Washington Post did this story. They said her face was blue. White foam was coming out of her lips. And she wasn't even apparently what they were saying. She wasn't asleep for a long time. Um, you know, just they put her down for a nap. But they said it was they, they called 911, but it was too late. Now, they were. No criminal charges have been filed, obviously, but they, they said that they were trying to still figure out how she came into contact with fentanyl somehow at that rental. And they said that, that the attorney says he's 100% sure that it had to be at the Airbnb. Um, and they said that, you know, it's difficult, obviously, for them to, you know, it would be for them to admit that and it opens them up to all kinds of liability, et cetera, et cetera, but still... Gosh, it makes you see now. See, this is going to inflame my germaphobe tendencies because that's kind of part. I wipe off every surface. So if I go stay somewhere, you know what I do? 
if I have to stay at a hotel, which I hate staying at hotels, I will literally legit lift up the mattress and I'll look at everything. Check for, I don't put my suitcase near the bed till I check anything. I don't, nothing touches the bed until I check for bed bugs or anything like that. I mean, I look at like legit everything. You know, you can get like travel blacklight stuff, right? You know that, right? Uh-huh. I know all the, yeah. You guys are like, Dana, this is going too far. Is it though? Is it? I don't know. But it's mm, just wild. This is heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. So this major problem, and we were talking about how to deal with the uh, cartels. Because the cartels really are so self-sufficient with us now. I mean, they're not really bringing in what you think they're bringing in from China. They, they wanted to make money and they wanted to take what China was making off of that for themselves. So they're very self-sufficient with this. And, we ha- and now with the border being wide open, I, and, and if Biden does reverse that, although, I mean, it, he would need to do more than, than reverse his decision to allow Title 42 to end. He would have to do a lot more than that. I mean, you would have to crack down on security across the border. And that's, that's, it would require so much more. This would only be one thing that he could do. Do you remember back when, in 2018, when they were saying that there was a, a high risk of harm to children who in, entered illegally at the southern border with some of these third-party facilities because they were just getting overrun, these third-party contractors? And that was one of the reasons, that w- that was also at the same time that, the Trump administration was taking a lot of heat for continuing the Obama era practice of separating kids from the adults when they would cross over. I think the most that they were allowed to be separated was something like eight hours, but they were trying to make sure that the kids weren't being trafficked because they had started to catch kids getting trafficked. And all the left was like, how dare you? And that ultimately ended up, uh, they let that elapse. There have been detentions too, uh, facilities that have been uh, in trouble before. There was one in New Mexico under Obama Biden back in 2014 that closed because of all the complaints uh, about because uh, they, they they couldn't take care of everything. They just could not take care of the influx. And then Becerra, Xavier Becerra wants everything to be processed through doubly fast. So you have this plus all the drugs coming across the border. It's a nightmare. And him. Even if he were, and this is just not even official, but even if Biden, even if he reversed on that whole Title 42, I just don't, I mean, that's just one thing. That's only one thing. Now, the Fetterman campaign, their chief of staff, I don't know if you saw this, they released some what they call proof of life photos. He's still, they said weeks, he's being treated what they say for clinical depression. Um, the photos that they, po- they posted them on Twitter, they said that he was at Walter Reed discussing, discussing rail safety legislation and looking at all of this stuff. Is it the, is he, I mean, really for just depression though? Again, I think it goes back to, I mean, it was a photo op. That was a total photo op. They, they haven't, Seen nobody's seen him really since February 15th at State of the Union. He looked confused. He also looks like he's lost weight in these photos that have been released. Did you see those, Kane? Don't you think yeah, did, yeah. it looks like he's lost? How he much looks weight? a lot thinner, yeah, yeah, a yeah, a lot thinner. 
a lot thinner. Yeah, a lot thinner. So I don't know what kind of update that is, but you know, they, they, I mean, I'm not, he's, I, I don't know, outsourcing your job to the, to your staff. That's not really the way this office works. I mean, he really, one of the reasons that you need to be in the office there and you need to be able to go in and talk to your colleagues is because you need to be able to persuade people. You can't just, you can't keep using your staff and ex exporting all of your responsibilities to your staff. I mean, it's just not, that's, you can't do that. So I don't know. But they have this photo. It just looks like he's lost a lot of weight. I mean, it honestly looks like he's, he's, um, uh, he, I don't know. He's, it looks like he had a setback, a health setback, not a mental health setback. And that's what they're working with. Interesting. So a couple of other things that I want to make sure that we are hitting on as well. And like I said, it's uh, we got headlines on the way, and then of course we'll have today in stupidity and all that good stuff. I'm going down because there's been a lot. If you get if you sign up for chapter and verse, you get the my email newsletter. Uh, it was a it was a lot yesterday. So for instance, one of the things this goes back to personal time. Pete he was upset, according to a piece over at CNN. He's mad first off because he is upset over the criticism that he has received. As it relates to his visit to East Palestine, he was he said it was BS that he visited because Trump did. He said this to CNN. He says, we were already ready to go. And then he was responding to some of the critics and I guess people that he just assumes are all, I guess, Tucker Carlson viewers. But he goes in his with, with Brian Stelter had shared this. He said, quote, it's really rich to see some of these folks, the former president, these Fox hosts, this is Pete Buttigieg, who are literally lifelong card carrying members of the East Coast elite, whose top economic policy priority has always been tax cuts for the wealthy and who wouldn't know their way around a TJ Maxx if their life depended on it to be presenting themselves as if they genuinely care about the forgotten middle of the country. Do you think Tucker Carlson knows the difference between a TJ Maxx and a Kohl's, end quote? So, uh, so they're right, though. He didn't dispute that, that they're right. He decided to throw a bunch of stereotypes at them. What is that? What is between a TJ Maxx and a Kohl's anyway? I mean, if you want to have a pour off, dude, I'll win. TJ Maxx was like rich when I was a kid. Oh, it was, dude. It for real was. Yeah. Mm hmm. That was off the rack before there was an off the rack. <laughs> so. Yeah, that I mean, that's that was always considered uh, wealthy kind of to me. I he's like, well, what's it? You know, uh, Coles and TJ Maxx, they're kind of like the same retail kind of department stuff. But I dude. couldn't care less. I'm my tax Who dollars cares? don't go to Tucker. My tax dollars go to the transportation exactly. department and to Pete Buttigieg. So I care more about that than mm -hmm. I do what Tucker does or doesn't know about. It's really rich to see somebody who wants to be part of the East Coast elite, whose top economic policy has been, well, I'm gay and I know about buses and who flies around on government jets to sporting events. That's been really rich. And we all know that there is no way in Hades that this dude shops at either a TJ Maxx or a Kohl's. But he knows how to dress up like YMCA Bob the Builder and show up in East Palestine and check and make sure all the construction workers aren't white. Before reminding everyone he's gay, saying something about climate change, and then getting on his private plane to go back to D.C. 
right? That's kind of how it works. Yeah, there you go. Well, hi there, uh, fellow everyday middle-class Americans. Jeez, this guy. I mean, he is the, if, if you looked up participation trophy in the dictionary, it's him. It's just him. He is the walking meat space manifestation of that. If it turned into kind of a sentient being in a way, he would be that. So his, his response is that, I mean, Tucker Carlson grew up in California, by the way. Does he know his East versus his West? Just want to add. Does he know? I just, the thing is, is Carlson isn't the transportation secretary. Personal time Pete is the transportation secretary. There is the difference. Oh, by the way, any word about that kid toucher guy that uh, was his mentee? Yeah. Did CNN ask about that? No. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So apparently McCarthy is going to meet Taiwan's president in California so that China can't scream as loudly. Uh, This is because they've already been very aggressive in terms of their response from any discussions with Taiwan. McCarthy had said last summer that he wanted to travel to the island if he became speaker. They began making preparations. Uh, But the the leader of Taiwan, uh, Tsai Ing-wen, said that uh, they had some intelligence about what the CCP was up to, etc., etc. They said that China was not in a good situation, so they were going to be meeting in California. That's still going to make China mad. I mean, I don't know why, you know, anybody's pretending otherwise. It's still going to make them mad. Uh, Also, uh, a couple of other things. Let's see. Uh, So apparently, the as I was telling you, the House disinformation czar, the White House's old House disinformation czar, she she was subpoenaed. Uh, She was the one who sang Mary Poppins. So now she's, we'll see if she shows up to answer a question. She was the former executive director of the DHS's Disinformation Governance Board. And that was disbanded because all of the goofiness and everything that they were doing all came out in the public. And there you go. Uh, White House weighs a, a mass vaccination order for chickens, according to The Hill, as it, for the bird flu outbreak. Uh, the administration says that, oh, well, this is one of the reasons why we have high egg prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it rhymes with schminflation. So there's that, too. You know, just um. Uh, let's see. There was a nine-hour ordeal, including passenger vomiting on another horrible flight. It was uh, This was like, I heard this as well. Southwest diverted from Raleigh-Durham. They were stranded on Myrtle Beach overnight. Nine-hour ordeal. There was a lot of turbulence, apparently. So are the kids all right? According to studies, no, thanks to lockdown. A new book discusses. Stay with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon here, Dana Lash. You can listen coast-to-coast in a market near you. You can stream it online. Watch at Facebook, YouTube, Channel 349, Direct TV. We're at the bottom of our third hour here this Tuesday. We've talked uh, quite a bit about the battle that we have seen between parents and school boards. And in my town, uh, when we uh, had parents together fought to take over the school board, there was uh, more. It, it spread. It went to Grapevine. It went to Keller. And... I'll never forget the reaction to this one mother whose junior high school daughter found this crazy book and it ultimately ended up being the genderqueer book that was in her junior high school library. It's, th- these are images that I probably would get in trouble with DirecTV if I showed on air. 
if I read some of the passages, I would get in trouble with a lot of my program directors around the country. If I read some of it, I'd probably get fined um, by the FCC. But yet you could have that in libraries for 12 year olds, 13 year olds. And this mother had to fight with the school board to get that book taken out of the junior high library. That it had nothing to do with academics. And that's the fight that we're seeing around the country, most recently in Florida, where you have people like Al Sharpton that are trying to conflate the teaching of black history, which is already mandated by the state. They're trying to conflate that with teaching about sexual intercourse to minors. That's not education. It's wrapped in this veneer of education, but it's not it at all. And this is at the heart of a new book that is out today. I love this book cover it's called stolen youth how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation and it's from my friend carol markowitz and bethany mandel who co-authored this book and carol joins us via skype you've seen her on fox she's a columnist at new york post and fox the spectator dc examiner everywhere and i've had the pleasure of finally meeting her in person after following her work talking about her stuff on this program so many times so, Carol, first off, congrats on the book. It's out today. It's good to see you. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm, I love the cover. And, and of course, the kids, it's the milk carton, and then the kids are all wearing masks on the milk carton. The kids aren't all right. And I think we used to believe that all this indoctrination, you had to worry about it in college. No, no, no. Exactly. It's starting in kindergarten. Talk to me about this. So that was why we wanted to write this book. We saw that there were books about college indoctrination or about in the workplace, the way wokeness has taken over corporations and institutions, but no one had traced that it was happening so early and that it was happening all across the board. It's not just schools, it's also libraries, publishing companies, um, media companies, your pediatrician's office. Everybody is focused in the exact same way on indoctrinating your child with the exact same leftist message. And it's not a coincidence, it's coming from the top, from medical schools, from teachers, colleges, and it's being disseminated throughout the country. You've touched on, Carol, in a piece that you've written about this as well. You mentioned that now infamous remark from Terry McAuliffe when he was saying, well, parents don't really necessarily need to be determining what their kids are learning. I mean, I'm abridging it, but he said something to that effect. And that really hit parents the wrong way because they were at home during lockdown with their kids. They saw what their kids were learning and they felt like they more than anyone else should absolutely have impact. Would we, do you think without lockdowns, um, which were horrible, but if there was any silver lining to it, do you think that that was it, that parents finally saw what was happening? Absolutely. I think the time that the parents saw over their kid's shoulder what the kids were learning in school was crucial to the fact that so many parents are fighting back today. And, you know, we watched it happen where there was ever more wokeness and leftism introduced into, into the classroom. And I think parents just didn't see the extent of it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, you know, pretty well versed in what my kids are learning in school. I'm in the political culture. Um, and yet I was shocked by just how much of it they were getting and how much that meant that math, science and reading was being reduced because every minute you spend on wokeness is a minute you don't spend on academic subjects. So it absolutely was a silver lining. It's unfortunate that it took that because so much of this is done in secrecy. They have to, right? You can't, they're they're not going to run on a let's get porn into the school library platform. So they have to kind of sneak it in and hide it from parents and make sure that they don't find out. Well, parents found out and they had the exact right reaction of fighting for their kids. 
course, now that COVID is in our rear view, I feel like parents need to be motivated again to be like, look, this is still going on in your kid's school and it's happening elsewhere too. You can't just relax because you no longer see it at your dining room table. It's happening. You have to fight back. Yeah, that's a very good point. We're talking with Carol Markowitz, her new book, Stolen Youth, co-authored with Bethany Mandel. How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation is out today. And it's such a smart approach to this. And as you said, like so much of this focused on college campus. Well, you know, college campuses, they're they're pretty much if they've been able to go through K through 12 um, entirely uninterrupted with this, the the woke propaganda, they're primed and ready for college. I mean, you know, now you now we can see why people riot if they have two less government in their lives or anything of that nature, which, you know, this the the youth that how early this starts it's not an exaggeration and you get into this as well in the book i mean we are talking kindergarten we're talking super young not just you know high school right yeah as soon as they have access to your children you have to just assume that the indoctrination is taking place and i know that that sounds crazy i get it it sounds so insane to people and they're like no that doesn't happen in my school that only happens in new york and san francisco well Throughout the book, we show that red enclaves are having this happen too. It's happening all over the place. There was a story like last week about a teacher uh, transitioning a, a girl on Long Island who um, had, you know, maybe had some questions about her gender or whatever. And the teacher transitioned her, got her boy's name, started calling her he, him pronouns, etc. And this happened in a red hamlet, in a red town, in a red county. I mean, this is not happening just in New York City and just in San Francisco and other crazy places like that. It's happening at a school near you. And parents need to take that serious. You bring up another really good point with this because it could be, it doesn't matter how red the town is. I feel like a lot of people overlook the importance of school board seats and the decisions that school boards make and the impact that has on curriculum and everything from what your kid's learning to when they learn it. I mean, I I live in a red, really red area, but our school board was entirely left leaning uh, until parents took it over. And I mean, they were some of the stuff that they were introducing was so not even remotely near academics. It was really it was stuff that I would not read in front of my mom. Like, I mean, it's you. Why? Why? How? Why is that being considered like in Florida? So you're you're in Florida now. You moved from New York to Florida. And I saw Al Sharpton in your state. He was marching. He was very upset over black history being taught in schools. This is another example, except black history is already mandated the way that I understand it. And I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong. They mandate that being taught in schools. So he's mad because they're not teaching. I think, what was it? Queer theory? Queer theory um, and so much other nonsense that was inserted into that curriculum. And look, the thing is, it's it's offensive to black history to teach this, this craziness alongside actual black history. I, I would love more black history in my kids' education. I do not want queer theory in there. It's just, it's unrelated and it's ridiculous. I would like more history in general. We've cut out history in this country and, and, and that's a giant problem. And over the years, I've spoken to teachers and they say, I, I don't want to get complaints from parents that, that something I taught was like, you know, inappropriate. And history has a lot of touchy, touchy subjects. And that's okay. We're supposed to be able to deal with those subjects. We have a chapter in Stolen Youth on resiliency. And that's really what this is all about. About. You want to raise resilient children who will go into adulthood and be able to handle concepts that they're uncomfortable with and be able to get information that they might not enjoy. And 
definitely to be able to look at, at the history of our country and say there's been some ups and downs, but we're all around. It's a great country and we're so lucky to have it. And I'm, you know, that and, and to really get the full picture instead of getting this insanity that's being pushed to them, which has a really negative perspective on everything that makes America great. Now, that's a really good point that you make as well. The, and, and, of course, Carol's book, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation that you did with Bethany Mandel, who I think is still in New York. She hasn't fled to she hasn't fled to Florida yet. She's in Maryland. She's Maryland. in Maryland. Uh, close <laughs> enough, though. It's close. <laughs> <laughs> but the resiliency aspect of it, because I, I, I wonder how this when did this actually really kick off in schools? Have you been able to kind of pinpoint that? I, I think that it's been brewing for a while. And so, you know, people will say to me, we use wokeness, but that's not, you know, it's not exactly, it's, it is a new leftism. It's a new type of leftism. So the old leftism means, you know, we'll be like, oh, I got a women's studies degree. The new leftism, new leftism will say, I got a women's studies degree, but I can't define woman. And that's the craziness that we're in right now. It's that you can't speak up. It's the forced conformity. It's so much of that. I, and we open with a history chapter. I was born in the Soviet Union. I grew up with the concepts of, you know, speaking your mind and how lucky we are to be in freedom. And our family celebrates our America anniversary the day we came to America every single year because it's such a big deal to us to be free. And What's happening in America today is that that freedom is being eroded. You're not allowed to say what you think. During the pandemic, people got fired from their jobs for saying schools should be open. That was the most obvious layup ever. Nobody should disagree that schools should have been open. Only the absolute lunatics didn't think so. And they were able to force that message that that we do not stand for opening schools. We don't want schools to open and we believe this. And if you don't believe it, then you're not in the in-group and you're outside of our our circle. And that kind of thing is really powerful. People don't want to be outside their tribe. They don't want to stand up and say this is crazy, but they have to because their kids are at stake. And that's what the book's all about. I love that. If you are not fighting for your kids, no one else is going to fight for your kids. So you better, you have to take the risk. And if it means you're disliked, well, then it's worth the price of making sure that your kids are protected. And I love that your book tackles this. It's out today, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. It is a, I love this book cover. Congratulations. I'm so glad that you wrote this. And, and, and you and Bethany, and, and I'm, fi- I'm so glad I finally got to meet you. Too. I know. So yeah, I hope to really see crazy. you again soon. Thank you Thank so much. You. Good to talk. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Carol Markowitz, the book Stolen Youth, which you can buy where books are sold. It's all out today. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We also understand that part of fighting crime is to protect Floridians' right to defend themselves. A constitutional right should not require a permission slip from the government. It is time we join 25 other states to enact constitutional carry in the state of Florida. Huge news. Good news. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. That was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. They're passing that through the Florida State Legislature. And then yesterday, you know how we talked to Luis Valdez with Gun Owners of America last week? He had asked the governor um, during a, uh, it was one of his book events, if he supported open carry. And DeSantis said that he did. And he he, uh, confirmed what I've been hearing from Tallahassee, from folks that I know there who were saying that there's a few Republican lawmakers that are kind of a holdout. And um, that's why they're quietly pressuring and trying to get them to add open carry to the constitutional carry bill. And uh, so gun owners had sent out, they had uh, sent out a tweet saying, 
get the Republican lawmakers to stand with DeSantis and have uh, open carry and constitutional carry. And that's the thing. You have Florida legislatures, the, the legislature, I mean, that that these lawmakers are, are crafting these bills. And I hope grassroots are talking to these lawmakers because I think some of them know who the, a couple of them are, at least. But there are some that I mean, I was hearing all I, I mean, and Luis Valdez was saying that there were some who even lost like in the past when they tried to get push constitutional carry. This is before they had two third majority that they have now. But uh, Republicans anyway, that that people had been stripped of committee appointments and all kinds of stuff uh, because of that. So it's changed in the past five to six years. But they're still fighting with some of the holdouts. And that's the thing. You know, DeSantis could also, I mean, he could he could sit here and demand it be in there, but you still have to pass it. It still has to pass. So either way, you have to get those lawmakers on board and get them to support it. Because you could have the, the governor intervene and do whatever, but if you're going to have those holdouts, see, that's where the pressure comes from the grassroots. Every, it's got to be a partnership. They got to work and be pressuring their lawmakers. And uh, and if they don't bend, then you find a conservative constitutionalist that respects your rights who will. And that's how you approach it. So that was so that's that's I, yeah. And I know Kane's like, I can't believe just because they got an R by their name. Like, look, in Texas, you remember when we I mean, September 21, I think, is when this changed. But initially, when we had open carry, you had to have your concealed carry permit. which right. is so weird. But you had to have it. Um, and I only keep mine just for reciprocity. I only keep that for reciprocity's sake. Because uh, when I travel, I carry. So, um, and that's the other thing. Someone had said that, I saw some legacy press saying that there was something where the government, all I know is that every time I've been around him, I've carried. So, and I'm, so I don't know what people are talking about. But anyway, um, but I've carried. But that was good. That just because they got an R by their name does not necessarily mean. Well, you've seen that in Congress, though. There have been lawmakers in Congress that have, you know, have have R's after their names, and they'll say stuff. I would just think there'd be an ultra amount of unification over You'd this constitutional right. You would think from Republicans that all of the fear mongering that the anti gun crowd does over open carry, not a single bit of it has ever come true. Not a single bit of it. I mean, they always say that it's going to lead to more crime. I've written two books on that where I've had a first one. I had a deep dive on it. That's there's no evidence that supports that at all whatsoever. Not at all. So it's I mean, I think most people and as I talk with Luis, it has nothing to do with, you know, what is the tactical advantage? I mean, obviously concealed is more tactical advantage, but it's not about that. It's about it's your decision. It's your decision. So that's what it comes down to. But uh, we'll follow that as it goes back and forth. Because it was just, I think, like last week out of committee. They just moved it out of committee last week, I believe. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right. Today in Stupidity. Oh, Senator Schumer. I'm not sure if you saw him on the floor this morning. Boy, he was upset that other footage from January 6th was leaked. This is part of what he was talking about. To say January 6th was not violent is a lie. A lie, pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. What the hell is he talking about? I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with Listen to what he demands here. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. And he's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Really? Fox News, Rupert Murdoch. Tell Carlson not to Censorship? run a second segment 
We don't want this footage to be seen and our narrative to be disrupted. Thou doth protest Not today, Upchuck. Not today. All right. That does it for us tonight. Make sure you go sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook. Like and subscribe. Back with you tomorrow.